Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining us to the listening and viewing audience. Today with me, I have Larry Sharp. And a lot of things about Larry, what's really going to interest the business audience and that I want to talk about is how he made, started a number of companies, including a trucking company, and made successful exits to financial health and all of that, and then transitioned later in life. He's now a politician and will We'll touch on that. We're not a political show, but we certainly have to let Larry have a plug for what he does. And then, of course, uh, Larry and I connected before the show a little bit. He's a Marine veteran. I'm an Army veteran, and we chatted about that. But I am curious as to, I I feel like the military has played a big part in my life. And we'll hear from Larry uh, if his experience there affected his business ability or his, you know, the rest of his life. Because I'm just interested in that when I run into people who have that experience, that shared experience. So, Larry, I'm not going to introduce you any more than that. Welcome to the show. Let me touch exactly what you talked about, which is the the idea of you know being a veteran and does that change or make you think differently? And I would say, yeah, it did. Right. I think as a general rule, most people, when they want to be happy, when they want to move forward in life, they want three things. They want to feel loved, they want to feel respected, and they want purpose. Those are the three things that most people are striving for in their life. And if you can find one or two of them, it's easier to find the other, right? If, you, if you've got love and, and, and you've got respect, easy to find purpose. You have purpose and respect, easy to find love, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the thing that I was lacking as a teenager was purpose. My father passed away when I was around 11. I was a, a, a lost teen and the Marine Corps gave me purpose. So, oh my God, was it the, exactly the right thing for me? I'm not a guy who thinks the draft is the right answer. I think the military is, is voluntary. And you should join if it's right for you. It's not right for everybody. But I will tell you for sure, it was right for me. That's absolutely true. It gave me purpose. It made me kind of understand what it is to be responsible and be a man. I was 19 years old in charge of 19 people. And unless your mom or dad owns the business, right. you don't do that. <laughs> All right. So yes, I think it's true. It also made me think more about taking initiative, being on the offensive, right? The idea of if you're unsure if you take the hill, take the hill, right? Move forward. Being on the offensive is the most important. You can't win a war in defensive. And that may seem aggressive for some people who are listening, who aren't veterans. But if you understand the concept, it is always keep moving, right? Always keep moving. And no plan is perfect. And you're going to have to adjust as you get out there and, and do. Right. And more importantly, you want to lead from the front, right? You want to, you want people to know I'm here with you lead from the front. If you want people to follow you, they have to follow you because they want to follow you, not because you pay them. Please pay them by the way, 
but that is not the reason why they should be following you. They should be following you because they want to. And as a Marine, I never made more than $18,000 a year. I literally was prepared to order men to their deaths or even to go to my own death for $18,000 a year. And you know, Tom, you were prepared to order people to their death or to die. You were prepared for that. And you weren't getting, you know, seven figures a year to do so. Fair point. So Larry, I love all of those connections you just made. And I, I can't say how much I agree with you, or, or I, I can't go far enough to say how much I agree with you that it does give you purpose. I have much of the same shared experience. And I feel like that a lot of that, I was a platoon leader of a small scout platoon and then a company commander. And I feel like a lot of that translates in the business world to doing things. So for me, and it's just what you said, yes. leading from the front and taking the hill and moving forward. For me, I find a lot of people have fantastic ideas and they can put them on a whiteboard, but we, we often fail as business people to, to execute. So we fail to move forward. We fail to yes. pull the trigger. And I always kind of tell people, and I, I think this is what you're saying, but this is what I've gotten from the military is I kind of pull the trigger. I'm like, okay, well, let's just do that. Yes. Right. Figure it out. We'll mm -hmm. adjust. No plan survives contact with the enemy over and over and over again. And the better you are at adjusting, yep. more successful you are military business. So I, I love that. I think that's, uh, that's right in line with my personal experience too. Not that my personal experience matters a whole yep. lot. We're here to talk about you. So tell me, Larry, about how that translated into business once you left the military. What happened? What's the Larry Sharp, you know, business well, story? To be forward, it it didn't. I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my life. I didn't understand how any of that worked. That wasn't a thing I did. I came to entrepreneurism and business from a very odd place for, for most people. And it was because uh, my mother was a convicted felon. My father passed away when I was a teenager. And after that, I left to, to go into the Marine Corps. My mother couldn't handle it. She was an immigrant. Her family was another country. She was alone. I was her only son. And she fell into initially prescription legal drugs and eventually illegal drugs. And she was a convicted felon. She went, she was a victim of the drug war. And after that, when I came home, I actually left the, the Marine Corps. I was recruited by the CIA. I said, no, I didn't want to do that. Um, I became a teacher and I was just doing a, a job thing. Right. I thought that's what you do. Right. You get out of the military and have a job. Right. I guess you do that. And that's what I assume. And I wasn't very happy. But the, the part that I couldn't stand is when I put my mom and helped her out of, out of prison, I found out how much she struggled, how she couldn't get a job, how she was a hostage at any job she had to get a second chance was hard. And if anyone you know listening has ever had someone who's fallen down that badly, you want them to have a second chance. You love them. You want them to have a second chance at life. And I saw the system was not helping her at all. She was lying on all of her uh, her forms, saying she wasn't a felon, hoping they didn't find out. And I just got so tired of my mom being a victim. I said, you know what? I'm going to start a business. Because if you start a business, you can't be fired. And I started my first business, truck business, to get my mom out of her bad spot. And I gave her 100% ownership of the company, even though I was running it. And I said, if my mom has 100% ownership, no one can ever fire her. She's never going to be a hostage again. And that's how I started becoming an entrepreneur. I did it just out of, to our point, just go. And I started the business by cold calling. I picked the trucking business because in New York State, if your truck isn't big enough, you don't require a, if your truck is 24 feet, I think, or less, you don't need a, a, a commercial license, which means her record didn't matter. So we could just buy a truck. Wow. And not required to be licensed. Yeah. Because a certain, certain amount, I forgot how it worked. This is. 20, 30 years ago, whatever, whatever the rules were, we followed those rules. We bought two trucks. 
and we started becoming a trucking business. And I, I got clients by getting on the phone and cold calling. At any place on the East Coast, I was literally saying we would we would get up and pick stuff up and and do it now, right? It, it it wasn't the idea of you know have a deal with us and have a multi. No, it was there, I followed that model by the way throughout most of my career, being the easiest to do business with. That was the model that we did. And again, I didn't do it because I was super smart or savvy. I wish I was that smart to figure that out. It was basically how do I get someone to not look us up. That was basically the issue. How do I get someone to not look us up? Okay, I'll make doing business with you so easy that you just can't say no. That was my entire business model. So I called them up and say, we'll come now. Like now, we'll pick it up and we'll do it and you can bill us later. I mean, it was literally like that. And did we get burned a couple of times? Yeah, we did. It's not a perfect business model. But when you're in that spot, you again, you've got to move forward. So you move forward. And what happened is it became a successful business. I left the business because I didn't want to do it. So I did it for my mother. My mother and my then stepfather, she remarried at the time. They ran the business until they retired. And I just left. But that's how I began to become an entrepreneur. But the thing that I got is once I had that, I then went and got a job. I was actually selling. I was, I was a sales rep for many years. And I, I became a sales rep because I knew I could do it well because I was cold calling. Right. Like I learned that I could do it right from cold calling, which for those of you who sell, you know, that's the hardest form most challenging oh, form of, of, of selling. Were you in New York City cold calling people? I was actually, at that point, I was in Long Island. I cold called for MetLife Life Insurance on the weekends, part-time, outside of my job to make extra money. In Manhattan, yeah. Long Island, the five boroughs, it was the most awful. Uh, I learned more swear yes. words from people who got calls on Saturday mornings. But yeah, it's it's, it's a tough job. People, I don't know if anyone does that anymore. Yeah. I still teach it. It, it, it can be done, right? It all depends. It, it is, it is yeah. challenging, but it can be done. Once I had the bug of being an entrepreneur, I didn't want to, to work for anybody anymore. So eventually I kept getting angry at every job I had until I realized I should start the business. One of the things I think everyone should be thinking about is what is the outcome that you want, right? I don't, I, while I want to be moving, I always am moving in the right direction, right? So what is the outcome that I want? I want my mom to not be a hostage. Okay, let's start moving towards that, right? I want to be happy in my business life. Let's start moving towards that. What I tell people often when they say about, I want to leave my job, I want to change this. I say, I don't want you to run away from anything. I want you to run towards something. If you're running away from something, you're very apt to make a bad decision. But if you're running towards something, you're much more apt to make the right decision. I mean, you may screw up no matter what. And you might get lucky and make the good decision. I mean, who knows? But we got to put our, the, the odds in our favor. If I'm like, I hate my job, what's next? And I just grab the next thing. I'm probably going to go from bad job to bad job to bad job. And I'm going to break my resume at one point, And I'm going to be 50 something and unemployable. That's what I don't want to happen. But if I'm instead saying I want to move towards something, now I'm going to be moving in the right direction. If I make an error, it's probably I'm probably failing forward versus failing backward. So you always want to be moving towards something. Is that trademarked yes. already? Can we can we save that for you? Fail forward. I, I think that's a all good. yours. I'm not going to take it from you. I want to attribute it to you. I like that as your your first thing. Move forward. Fail forward. Um, I guess succeed forward. Yes. Move forward. What happened after being a sales rep? How did you start your? I guess your your next business. Yes, my next business actually was a distribution company, and it was heavily based on sales. And I always say. My second business was my, was my MBA, right? 
that's where I got my MBA because that's where I learned how to run a business. I knew how to sell. And starting my mom's company was just me selling and driving a truck. I did I wasn't really running a business. All right. the back end stuff that my mom was doing because she had had experience in admin um, in the past. So she actually figured out how to run the business. I didn't. I was driving, dispatching here or there, and cold calling every day. That's what I did. So my first business I built, I really built only because of sheer willpower. It was just me forcing myself through, pushing through, and getting enough clients to where even though we failed, I had enough clients it didn't matter. Uh, revenue and profit tends to be a panacea. So I just kept putting so much money to the system that it didn't matter that the system was garbage. It was irrelevant. It was so much money that went through it. And I didn't know that. Right. I thought that's all you had to do. So when I then went to my second business, which was a distribution company, I was basically selling into franchise GNCs and health food stores and other stores selling products from Canada and other places where they had no sales force. That was my business model. I followed what I knew. I could cold call. I was good at that. I could sell. Let me do that. But what I didn't understand was things like pricing, contract work, time management, all those things, you know, vendor selection. I did not do any of these things. So I, the business actually, I was making sales, but my process was so broken. I couldn't understand the end of two months. Why do I have no money? Like I'm making sales. This is impossible. How can I have no money? I'm making sales. And then as I began to go through and figure things out, I realized how much time I had to spend running my business and not just selling. And that was very hard for me. I didn't want to accept that. I didn't like it. It was a slap to my face because I thought I could do this. It's just business is just selling, you idiots. It's just selling. Obviously, it's a whole lot more than just selling. But I didn't get that. And I learned that the hard way. By the time I figured it out, I mean, people ask, how much money did you make in the first year? I don't know. I probably could have been working at McDonald's and made more. But I was busy. And I was like, I'm busy. I think there was a part of me that was still in what I call the, the employee mindset, meaning that the employee mindset says, okay. if I work, I get paid. So boss, I was here for eight hours. Give me money. That makes total sense. You're being paid for your time. But when you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It's irrelevant how much you work. If you don't close deals, if they're not for the right price, you don't make money, period. And if you can magically close deals by working an hour a day, you'll make a ton of money. It doesn't matter. How can you close deals? Is that one hour a day or 25 hours a day? It doesn't matter. And that's where I had to learn that idea right. that it's about being effective and efficient, not just showing up. Doing the hard work, while it's important, simply isn't enough as an entrepreneur. You've got to be effective and you've got to be efficient. It isn't just hard work anymore. And I learned that the hard way. By the gotcha. time I fixed it, and I did, I fixed it by the second year, but I had so much negative emotion, I didn't do it anymore. And as an entrepreneur, if you don't want to do it, you should quit. So I sold the business off when it actually was profitable at the time. And here's the thing, for, for you lawyers out there, you're going to cringe, but I'm telling you what I did just so you, so you understand my mindset. This is no, not advice at all. I sold my business. And the guy didn't have the money that I want. So I told him, can you, can you give me, you know, a check every month for six months? Can we give me the number up by six and give me a check every month for six months? He said, yeah, I did it on a handshake. That's not a good idea, but I did it on a handshake because horrible I just idea. didn't. Horrible idea. It's a terrible idea. All I, the listeners yes, don't do don't what Larry do did. 
Don't do it. No. Don't do that. I'm just showing with you my, where my mindset was. I was so ready to dump the business and I didn't want to get up anymore in the morning and do it anymore. I was ready. To, and I got to tell you, he actually gave me a check every month for six months. It actually worked out perfectly. 10%, Larry. That was the 10%. The other 90% of people don't get the yes. fourth check or the second check. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. So again, not advice. Just telling you what my head was. Yeah. I didn't care. People ask me, what if he didn't pay you? Would you have gone after him? And I said, probably not. I just, I wanted to get out of it. I was in a headspace that was terrible. I didn't want to be there. And I found myself not wanting to get up in the morning, not wanting to go on the offensive anymore. And when you're at that point, you just had to leave. So to me, it sounded like the biggest challenge you ran into is that you ended up being your own employee and you only, you can't leverage, you yes. can't scale if you're your own employee, you get in your own way. You can do the work, but you can't have a business. You're just a guy working. And if you're also having the business, Absolutely. it doesn't work. That's what it sounds like. Yes, you're right. And the problem is the first business I had was just me and my family. Right. So I didn't know how to move outside of that. I didn't learn that, right? And before that, I had no experience in business at all. Right. right. I, was a, I was a Marine and a teacher. I had no idea how this stuff worked. So then, my, then I had a family business, which was basically me and my family. That's a business, but I'm not dealing with an employee's. That's not what I'm doing. And my job was just to sell and drive. Gotcha. So I basically was, I was the, the catalyst to start the business. The second business was my, was an actual business. And I did, and I should have been hiring better. I should have been having vendors and I just didn't know and I wasn't good at it. And by the time I figured it out, and again, the, the, the proof that I had figured it out is that I got all six checks, right? I, I had right. a business model that someone was happy to buy and then make money on. So he actually paid me every single time. So I had built something after two years, but if I had known better, I could have built it in three months. It took me two years because I was learning everything the hard way. When I sold it, did I make any money in two years? You know, maybe, but not much, right? I, I kind of say that was, again, that was my MBA. So I got an MBA cheap. That's what I'll say. <laughs> right? That, that's all I'll say. I got an MBA cheap. So. You did it about the same amount of time as a full-time MBA. So. And you didn't pay yes. for it. There we go. So yes. upside there. So we had lesson one was always move forward. This business, what's lesson two from this second business, this self-employment business model? Is, is to understand that in today's world, whether you are an entrepreneur or not, actually doesn't matter in this case, you have to start having an entrepreneurial mindset. An entrepreneurial mindset is okay. you have to feel like you own your job, whether it's your job or not. You've got to feel like you're an owner in your organization, whether you own it or not. This is a mindset, right? Now, I, I hope everyone has, has equity in their companies. That's awesome. I hope you do. But in reality, many people don't. But you've got to have that mindset. You've got to have the mindset of, it doesn't matter how hard I work. Not that you shouldn't work hard. But what matters is the results at the end of it. As you start moving up in life, in business, in leadership, you cannot only be responsible for the accuracy of your communication. You have to be responsible also for the results of your communication. And for three fields that I work in now, my current right. job that I work in is I deal with three fields mostly, and that is tech, law, finance. And those three, because the general rule, those three fields, you are you know, given accolades, you're given, you're given you know, promotions, particularly when you're junior, particularly in that case, because of your technical skill, you're good at what you do right? You're good at what you do. So you get promoted. And then all of a sudden they go, now you're a supervisor or a manager or whatever. You're now leading people. 
and you go, what's that? You literally don't know what that is. And you confuse leadership with management. Management is relatively easy. Management is processes, processes, and resources. Computers do that well and often better than humans anyway. So that's going out the window. The most important is leadership. And leadership in a post-industrial world is not, can I get Thomas to work harder? No. I don't need Thomas's arms and legs anywhere near as much as I used to. I need them, but not that much. What I need is his brain. I need his initiative. I need his ability to change and adapt. I need his communication skills. I need all those things. I need his experience and his knowledge and his credentials to all come together when I need them. I don't need him to sit his resume. I need right. him to be in my, in my boardroom. I need that. And to do that, that's communication, which means being good at what you do is no longer enough. You still must be. I'm not saying that the hard, the, 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 that those technical skills aren't valuable. Of course they are, but it's not enough. I got to make sure that now what results do I get? And that's all about emotional communication and emotional communication is we're very bad at. And I talk about that constantly. So you've got to be able to understand entrepreneur mindset, the ability to care about results and accuracy. What people often do is they create systems that says, well, we have to make sure this happens, that happens, this ha- happens. Great. So now when you fail, you can a- explain why you failed. I'd rather not fail. So, so I don't, I don't want to cover my, my derriere. I want to have success. And that means if you have no ownership in the job you're doing, Tom, and you see that we're making an error and failing, you go, whatever, it's Larry's plan. Yes, we're going to fail. And you keep marching. I don't want that. I want you to go, Larry, it's not working. This is wrong. Things have changed. This is failing. We got to change and shift and adjust. In my perfect world, if I have the right type of communication and the right hiring, I'm able to get diversity of thought with unity of purpose. And the goal of the leader is to ensure I have unity, of, not unity of what we're physically doing, okay. but unity of so- you, me, everybody knows where we're going. Let's stop going there. And so ownership mindset, I think, is the number two thing. Right. Okay. So and what does the NeoSage group do? What I finally figured out is I kept having sales jobs. But whenever I worked for a company, not myself, I always realized I was never the number one sales rep. I was always the number two sales rep. And the number one sales rep was someone I was coaching. And other people who were bad were people I was coaching. And I realized I was helping people. That teacher thing that I did when I got in the Marine Corps never left me. And I've always, I was always that guy. And I finally figured that out. So I said, why am I selling when I should be teaching people, training people? I'm better at that. So I started the NeoSage Group, which is a consulting company. So I'm consultant, teacher, trainer. I've taught at many colleges, uh, John Jay College here in New York, Baruch, Yale, Columbia at the graduate level. And by the way, I don't have a graduate degree. My, my, my bachelor's degree is in anthropology. So I, I just been teaching, consulting. And believe it or not, I was actually an officer in a public company twice for a short period of time, temporary. And I did it. And this follows my, 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 my method. I made it so easy that they couldn't say no. Now, if you know how this often works, and again, I'm not advising this unless you're in a consulting world like me, then I am advising this. What I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that when I was teaching and consulting and training people, that I actually had the experience and not just the, you know, the academics or whatever the case may be. So when I saw companies that were in trouble, I literally went to the leaders who knew me from other things and say, hey, you've just lost uh, one of your heavy hitters. I'll fill that spot temporarily. I'll fill it and I'll 
and I'll help you find your replacement. I will bring them my replacement. I'll do all the hiring and firing. I'll do all the reorging. I'll do all the bad stuff. And then I'll leave. I'll start Monday. I'll do month to month. I don't want to be an employee. You can fire me at any time. I don't want to parachute. No contract. And they were like, what? I'll start on Monday. Wow. Get me a phone and a card. I'll start repairing things. Low risk. Like, very low risk serious? for the person. So you're making it very easy for them by de-risking your, you as a proposition. And when you succeed or do well, they see it as a huge win, subsequently a huge win. That's a fantastic model. I, I love that. 100%. Um, and they, they, you, you know this, in a, in a large firm, particularly if it's a firm that you know, needs expertise, you can't hire somebody in 30 days. Hiring somebody right. is at least six months, right? right? Sometimes nine months. So that's exactly my time frame. And I don't give myself a contract. I say, you can fire me at the end of any month. Just get. And I did one, someone actually signed something. Once it was a handshake again. I'm not joking. Once it was a handshake. Once it was actually paperwork. Sometimes it's not. I don't care. I just want to get on board so that now I can tell people, yes, I reorged an organization. Yes, there was a sales force that was in three different cities, three different countries. And I was at the reorg. And here's how I did it. Here's how I changed compensation. Here's my success. And now people can go back to those companies and say, did he do it? And they go, yeah, he did. So now I have references that show I did it. So now when I come into your company and say, here's how it works, you don't go, what are you, some RV tower guy? No, let me tell you what I actually did. Here's how it actually worked. So if you're in a consultancy like me and you don't want an actual job, I don't. This is a good idea. But if you actually want an actual job in a company, please don't do handshake stuff. It's not a good idea. Get a contract. That's yes. right. Get a contract. So I, Larry, this yes. is like a big circle. You started here with your trucking company and you were successful launching out of something into something you'd never done before by making, I don't want to steal from Staples, the easy button, the big, you know, just here yes. it is. It's super easy. That's how you were employable. That's right. And then you, your, your, your current, what you do now or your, your advisory thing is the same thing. You're making it so easy for people to access you and try you out and give you money. It yes. leads to success. So what sharp way, what is this fourth iteration? Yep. I guess you're in parallel with your third, third Larry Sharp version. But yep. what's the fourth sharp? Yeah, I mean, I still do the Neo Sage. I still do it. It's, and the funny part is because of me running for office, using the sharp way, I no longer have to market anymore. People just come to me, which is amazing. Literally, this became not on purpose. Again, I wish I was so smart that I had thought of it up front. Maybe I did it in, you know, instinctively, perhaps, but this has become a marketing arm for me. Um, and so now it's, yeah. I don't have to market anymore, which is great. But no, I ran for office in, in 2018 because I was unhappy with how bad my state, New York, was treating me and business owners and businesses in general. So I was considering packing up and leaving. And I was going to go to North Carolina outside of Charlotte. I, ne I need a big city for what I do, right? I, I can't be right. in a small town. And Charlotte is a big city. Compared to New York City, there are very few cities that can match. But I'm saying relatively. Right. Absolutely, yes. So it was big enough. And it had, it's a hub. And it has um, large corporate uh, headquarters, which is what I need, right? That's, that's where uh, I, I make most of my businesses in that world. So I was going to move there. And it was so much nicer and better and cheaper. I got angry. So I thought, why do I have to leave my state? Why do I have to leave my city where I'm born? I'm born in New York City, where I'm born, where I live, where my family and friends are. Why do I have to move? Why does my, why does my state suck? And I said, you know what? I'm going to do something. I'm going to go on the offensive. And I ran for office. 
And I ran as a libertarian, third party, because there's no way you can run as a major party in New York, in New York State, that have any chance of any impact whatsoever. It's right. And I lean libertarian anyway. So that's that's where I am politically anyway. So it's you can see as I have Edward Snowden at, on my uh, on my wall. So clearly I lean libertarian. <laughs> so that's clear. I know all your lawyers are like, what? How could you like that guy? I know. I know. I clear, clearly I'm the rebel. So um, that's where I lean. So I ran and for a third party, I did very well for a third party. But I didn't do well overall. I got 2% of the vote. But it was far more than anyone in the third party in, in, in my uh, party had ever got. I gained ballot access. I raised half a million dollars. And again, for a third party, that's a lot of money. For the Democrats, Republicans, that's whatever. The Republican raised $4 million, Democrat raised $12 million. So me and my half million is nothing. But it's all relative. But this goes to my third thing, which I would tell you, which is always, whenever possible, be a big fish in a small pond. And that's how I've gained success. I always want to be big fish, small pond. I don't want to try to be the biggest, baddest guy in, in the biggest, baddest thing. I want to, I want to be the biggest guy in a small pond. And in the third party movement, in the Libertarian Party, I'm a big fish in that small pond, even to a point where other major party candidates who have ch- thought about running for office in the third party have actually called me. People who all your wow. audience would know yeah. who consider third party have called me and said, Larry, how do you do this? Should I do it? And I usually talk them out of it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I usually talk them out of it. But um, so, and that's not because I'm super smart or super savvy or handsome. I mean, I am handsome, but it's not those reasons. It's because that I was a big fish in a small pond. When it came to third party candidates, I was literally the largest one in 2018 in the country. I'd run the biggest, wow. most effective campaign in the country. But if you're not in a third party, you've never heard of me. But if you are in that pond, you know who I am. And that's my point. Sure. I've become the go-to guy in that world. So when business owners are starting a business, I always tell people, I know people say, well, I can help everybody. I know you can. Don't try. Instead, micro-target niche when you begin your business so you become that big fish in a small pond and then others will come to you because you are an expert in that world. You've given me so many things like, you know, I said three things. I feel like there are 50 things that I, and I know, I know this is part of what you do is ne- at NeoSage. If you can give me kind of the three major things, just because our minds, you know, that whole Greek rhetoric thing, our minds work yep. in threes and fives or five things, I guess, but the things that we could take away so that when I do my highlight reel at the end of this season, we're like, and we go through the three things of Larry Sharp, like what is, what do we remember about Larry Sharp and what he says? You know, those things, because literally you've given me so many things, the easy button, the mentorship, the entrepreneurial mindset, the flexibility, this big fish in a small pond. Which of these are the altar that we, we go to as business people? There's three. I'll give you the three. Number one, okay. is always move towards something. Move forward, right? Move forward. Okay. Always move towards something. Number one. Second, you want to have a okay. mindset. You want to be thinking about. I own this and what, what results do I want? Whether you are an entrepreneur or not doesn't matter. You want that mindset. That's the future of employment. The future of employment is not I worked hard or pay me per hour or billing per hour. That isn't the future. And those, if those of you who are in say accounting or law, you, even you're seeing it. There are more and more accounting and law firms moving towards flat pricing, uh, flat fees, more and more moving towards that. The hour billing is slowly moving away 
It's about, do I get the results? You're finding packages starting to seep into those worlds more and more. Monthly yep. fees, things like that. Retainers, that type of thing is, is seeping more and more into the world. And it's not going to stop. It's a trend that's going to continue. So you want to start thinking about how much value am I bringing? I own this. What are the results? That's number two. And number three, always try to be a big fish in a small pond. And then eventually you can be a big fish in a big pond. But always begin with big fish, small pond. I don't care if it's a puddle. Be the biggest fish in the puddle. And eventually you move to a pond and a lake and maybe one day the ocean. So it's forward, moving forward. Oh, the ownership. Be the big fish in a small pond. So it's FOB, forward operating base. But those are the three things. Always have ownership in your business, uh, even the ownership mindset, and then big fish, small pond. I think that's a fan- fantastic, uh, fantastic set of three. So tell me your story, and then let's close out with any kind of closing thoughts you have for the for the good of the good of the public. Yep, I remember a story about um, princes in Europe. You know, princes okay. and lords and barons in Europe are very small areas, like small, you know, some small Germanic, you know, fiefdom someplace. And people would tease that person, you know, oh, you're a prince of this small place, whatever. You know, I'm the king of this or I'm the king of that. And and the guy's like, yeah, I'm only the prince of some small place, but I'm a prince. And that's all that matters. He's a prince. Right. He's part of them, right? He's part of them. He's in networking with the big boys, even though he's small. But if he was a prince in, say, France, he doesn't even get to go to the meeting because there's so many lords and barons. Yeah. And that, and people in France, You're right? He's a prince. He can't even go to the meeting, but he's a prince of some small town. He's still in the meeting. So you want to be big fish, small pond, and then you can move forward from there. If you look in today's world more than anything, it's going to make a lot of people crazy when I say it. Social proof is the number one thing in today's world that grants you success. Many things do. It's not that or nothing, and you can get around not having social proof, but you got to work a whole lot harder. And an, and the example I'll give is Kim Kardashian actually made criminal justice reform in America. Kim Kardashian. Why? Because she's the best lawyer in the world? Of course not. Because she's popular. That popularity mattered. Her social proof mattered. Am I saying we all have to be, you know, I don't know, reality TV stars? No. But our last president was. So is social yeah, proof. God is, forbid that all of us are reality TV stars, though. Come on. That would be horrible. Um, but that's, I, I, that's I agree. hundred percent. All I'm saying is social proof does matter, right? The idea that other people yeah, say sure. you are good does matter. The fact that people know you yeah. does matter. These things matter. And for someone who yeah. has the technical skills, finance, law, you know, tech, these three groups tend to only be concerned with, look at the work I've done. I do good work. Look at the work yeah. I've done. I do good work. While that matters, I don't want to discount that. Of course that matters. What I'm saying is you also want to add some type of social proof, which doesn't necessarily mean reality TV show. I'm out using that because everyone knows that. But that might be just being on LinkedIn with lots of people who know you. That might be once in a while doing a spot on a local TV show or on a podcast like yours. It might mean any of those things, but other people knowing you, other people hearing of you has more value than most technicians think. It does have value. You shouldn't discount it and you should spend time on it. 
unequivocally. And lawyers are very challenged in that field, um, connecting with people. And they do tend to look at work product more. And I've said this over and over, Larry, you're, you're preaching to the choir that we can hire fantastic legal technicians, but finding that lawyer who can connect with people, that's one in a hundred, maybe one in 200 yep. lawyers that has the ability to say, wow, I really like it. And I connect with people. Same with accountants. And in the patent world, it's even more extreme to some degree. So, so totally agree with everything you're saying. Fantastic what you do. Um, Neo Sage, Larry's company. And then of course, I'm sure Larry's going to run again um, at some point. So if you're in New York State, I will say vote for Larry because that's why uh, what Thank Larry would, would like to hear. I don't know that we can break out of the two-party system in your, in your district, but I, <laughs> who knows? Uh, maybe someday. But to, to, but to be forward, just to be forward on, on that piece, the value in a third party, and I'm going to go a little bit, I'll be a little preachy and I'll stop. The value sure. in a third party is a third party and I, the one reason why I'm libertarian is libertarian value is, is you can be as liberal or as conservative as you want to be. Just don't force your views on others. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. And while we may not win, I'm not, I'm not saying we can win, but if we can get that message out, if we can get 10, 15, 20% to where the media pays attention to us and we right. get that message out, there's a chance at healing our country. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just going deeper and deeper into pain. I want a mediator, and I think a third party is a mediator that can actually make things better, that can actually yeah. give us a chance to heal. And I think a third party is the answer. So if you think, particularly, let's say, for example, you're in a district where you know it's a red district or a blue district, you know the Republican and Democrat's going to win. Why wouldn't you vote third party? You know who's going to win already. Vote third party to give us an oomph. So that people will pay attention to us. And we can I like it. This party. Yeah, fantastic. George Washington said it too. He agreed with you. He hated political parties. He said we shouldn't have them. I guess there's no avoiding it today. But uh, but I love the concept. Love the love the talk, Larry. Thank you for joining our show. And I'll just repeat the three things: entrepreneurs, business people, lawyers. That Larry Sharp, the Sharp way to take away is moving forward. Remember ownership in your business, in your entrepreneurial dream. And then uh, finally, be a big fish in a small pond. Be known, be connected to people. Thank you so much, Larry, for joining us today. Thank you, listeners, for listening to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. We'll see you next time. And don't forget to download the audio wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes or Google Play. And we've got a YouTube channel where you can see Larry's beautiful face, as he said, very handsome. And uh, my not-so-beautiful face looking at Larry across a video screen thanks to COVID. Thanks, guys. See you next time. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.